As the children are going to their classrooms, let's get our Bibles out. We're in John 11, preaching through the miracles of Jesus. 30 plus miracles recorded in the New Testament for us to enjoy and explore. We're hitting them and talking about what Jesus did. Remember, God is not the great I was. He's the great I am. You read scripture and you think, well, that was, you know, that's what happened in the good old days. No, now are the good old days because the spirit of God is moving and our God is alive and he still does miracles in the lives of those who seek him. Come on, church. Now, first service was a little quiet and I got wound up and hurt him a little bit. So you're you're asking for it already. So I want you to preach back to me this morning. Amen. I got a word from the Lord for you, and it's going to build your faith, but you got to respond this morning. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word. We thank you for the miracles of Jesus. We thank you for the series that we've been exploring to, to rally our faith, to believe you to do miracles in our own lives. Father, each one of us need you to visit us, to touch us, to, to help us work through the obstacles and the issues of life. Father, I pray this morning that your word would come alive by the Holy Spirit and that your people would be refreshed and encouraged and strengthened this morning by what you did in the New Testament and what you do in our lives on a daily basis. We look with the eye of faith, Lord God, and we ask that we would receive everything you have for us this morning in Jesus' name. And the church said, well, in the first part of this message, we talked about Lazarus. Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick. And what does he do? He's friends with Lazarus. He has a relationship with Martha and Mary, his sisters, and they call to him. Why? Because Lazarus is in trouble. He's sick, and if Jesus doesn't get there and do a miracle, Lazarus is going to die. So Jesus gets the message, and instead of racing right on the scene and coming away, he, he delays his coming because the Father has a plan to raise Lazarus from the tomb to bring glory to the Father and the Son. Now, nobody knows this plan except Jesus and the Father. So Jesus delays his coming, and the worst-case scenario happens. Lazarus dies. Mary and Martha cry out for Jesus in their need. They, they place their faith in him, but he doesn't show up. And so we pick up in the situation here in verse uh, 17 of chapter, uh, of chapter 11 in John here. And I'm going to just read 17 through 27. That's all we're going to bite off this morning. So open your ears and your heart. Here's what happens. It says, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them uh, about their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went out to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will, even though he lives, will never die. And everyone who lives and believes will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the son of God, he who comes into the world. So a powerful exchange between Jesus and Martha here. Now, understand some things. 
Jesus shows up, and Lazarus is already dead for four days. Say four days. I don't know about you, but four days is a long time to be dead. He's already dead. He's already in the tomb. You know, they wanted him to get there, but Jesus gets there, you know, uh, by their estimation, a little late, and Lazarus is gone. The sickness overtook him. He died, and they put him in a tomb. Now, Bethany's geographical proximity to Jerusalem is that it's close. So there was a large group of mourners and supporters that came, and they came to support Martha and Mary in this time of loss. How many understand, when you and I go through crisis, when we go through loss, we need the support of others. And, you know, they showed up to support them there. There's a large crowd. Now, this is on purpose because God's about to do something to just galvanize the faith of all of these people who have come into this situation. You know, Jesus shows up, and by everyone's estimation, he's late. Think about that. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows what God's about to do. He knows that it's a miracle that's about to take place. But everybody looks at him like, hey, Jesus, you're five days late. You should have got here when he was still alive. Now, why is that? Because, you know, many of us believe and have the faith that God can heal us from our aches and pains and our sniffles or if your back hurts a little bit. But raising the dead, that's where a lot of people tap out and say, whoa, that's like big faith. And you know what, if you really think, well, no, pastor, I believe in that. If you've ever had to lay hands on someone who has died and pray that God would resurrect them, it's going to make, you're going to have to rally your faith. You're just looking at me. I'm going to keep coming down. So I've been in situations where I've walked into hospital rooms and the guy's dead and the family's crying Gucci and they're saying, pastor, please, I know you believe, lay hands on him, raise him from the dead. And the Holy Spirit's going, he's with me. And I'm not, I'm not getting any clearance to do that. Yet, having been in that situation, I know it takes great faith to believe that God can raise the dead. Yet to Jesus, this is nothing. This is no, I mean, this is no sweat to him. This is the guy who speaks to the wind and the waves and they obey him. This is the guy who walks on water. This is the guy who heals the sick and raises the dead. It's not like Jesus, like, this is a big one. He cracks his knuckles, you know, he starts to loosen up a little bit. You know, I got, oh, this is going to be a big one. No, he's not sweating at all. We're four days in the tomb. The King James says that, you know, he was about to have the rock rolled away, and the sister said, no, he stinketh. You got to love the King James once in a while. Smile, it's good for your face, right? They're like, he's been in the grave for four days. Don't open that thing up. Jesus is about to do a miracle, yet he and the Father are the only ones that know it. The people say he's late. Now think about this. All the other people, all their friends and family and relatives and all the believers and Jews from the, you know, the, the city, they, they've shown up to support them. They're on time. They're there early. But Jesus is late. Think about you know, some of the attitude that people had uh, about him showing up. Because you know they were giving him looks, and you know they were saying things. Yet Jesus walks into this situation where people have a lot of opinions about his timing. I want to say something. It's a very slippery slope when you and I judge the motives and the timing of God. Come on, say amen, church. Yeah, we all do it. God, you were late. God, you didn't show up for me. God, you know, if you would have just done this, and we judge the motives and the, and the motives of God, and God, you weren't there for me, or we judge the timing of God. Why, why, did, why didn't you do this then? I needed you then. Mary and Martha are like, it's nice that you're here, Lord, but we needed you 
five days ago when he was just sick. Now he's dead. It's a slippery slope for us to judge God and judge his motives because we don't have all the facts and we don't have the complete picture, but he does. So it's much better for us to trust him than to judge his timing. Verse 20 shows a mixed response to Jesus' arrival. Everybody had an opinion. He's late. Look, he shows up now. It says, Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went out to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Are you catching this? Martha, we're going to talk about her character. We know a little bit about her from Scripture. But Martha hears that Jesus is coming, and she runs right out to meet him. Why? Because she's got something to say to Jesus. She's going to get to it in a minute. But I want you to notice Mary. Mary, now Mary was the one who anointed Jesus with the fragrant oil. She wiped his feet with her tears and dried his feet with her hair. You remember that? We talked about that. Mary stayed in the house like this. There goes Martha. Here's Mary. She's hurt. She's upset. She's emotional. And she's not running out to meet Jesus. This is someone who had a relationship with him. And out of that relationship, you could tell she must have been thinking, why didn't you come? We called for you. We, we needed you. And she, she has a little bit of an attitude. Did you ever go through disappointments in life? Come on. We're just going to be real together in church here this morning. Amen. Did you ever go through situations in life where you were so disappointed with God that now you have an attitude with him? Come on, all of us have. If you've walked with him any time, why? Because his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts, and his timing is not our timing. And we get so focused, I need this now, I need, it. I need you to do this, I need you to fix it now, and we get upset with God, and we get an attitude like Mary. Jesus is out there. Yep. I want to tell you something. I understand where Mary's at, and I hope you do too. Many times in life, we get hurt, we get crushed, we're in crisis, and we're disappointed, and, and we don't know why we went through certain things or why God allowed things to happen. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But, you know, verse 21 and 22, what we know about Martha is she's the quintessential worker. Remember, whenever there was, uh, they're at Jesus' house, she's cooking and she's cleaning and she's doing all this stuff. And what is Mary doing? She's at Jesus' feet. So we've got two different personalities with the sisters here. Uh, Martha is the type A, the hard worker, you know, to, to get right to it. She, she's, you know, the one who runs out to Jesus in true to form. You know, she says what's on her mind right away. She says to Jesus, if you had been here, you know, it's not like, hi, Jesus, good to see you. Could you was your trip good? Could you, are you hungry? No. Hey, Jesus, you aren't here. And if you were here, I want you to see that if. If you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. Now, there's a really torturous game that the enemy loves for us to play, and that game is about all about obsessing over the whys and the what-ifs of life. Come on, church. Why did it happen this way? God, what if you had done this? God, why did I have to go through that situation? Why did I have to go through loss? Why did I have to get abused? What if... This would have happened. What if I would have, and, and the whys and the what ifs, come on. All of us have played that game before, and it's a torturous game. Because you know what the truth is? <clears throat> we can't handle the whys and what ifs sometimes. If God told us the why, it still wouldn't comfort us. 
There's some things we're not going to know the answer to until we go to heaven and we see him and we're in his presence. And there's some things that we just can't handle. All right, it's a good place. A good place to clap, I guess. We'll all clap together. Praise the Lord. But it's like, oh, I want to know why. I, you know, I want the truth. And God says, you can't handle the truth like Jack Nicholson. And if we play that game, all it's going to do is beat us up and hurt our faith, and make us question God, and get us angry. Oh, it's so quiet in here today. You know why? Because this is real stuff that all of us have been through. And some of us are there right now. You're sitting there with your arms folded, and you're looking at me, and your eyes are you're, they're beady because you're mad. You're like, God didn't show up for me. God wasn't faithful to me. Why did he let me? You know, I grew up like, and, and we got these whys and what ifs. And some people take them to the grave with them and never get free from the whys and the what ifs. God, if you love me, why did my child die? God, if you're faithful, why, why did I lose my parents to cancer? God, if you're fair, why did my spouse cheat on me? Why were they unfaithful to me? God, you know, if you're good, why did children get molested and trafficked and murdered? Why, why, why? Come on, this is as real as it gets on Sunday morning. The psalmist struggled with this same idea. The psalmist Asaph in Psalm 73, he said in verse 2, But as for me, my feet almost came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. What is he saying? I almost lost my faith. And here's why. For I was envious of the wicked as I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there were no pains in their death. Their belly is fat. They are never in trouble like other people, nor are they tormented together with the rest of mankind. So the psalmist is saying, man, I'm trying to serve God and, and, you know, I'm trying to do the good things and bad things are coming my way. But look, he skips down to verse 13 and he says this, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and wash my hands in innocence. He's saying, I've been good, and I've done good, and I've tried to please God, and my life is a hot mess. But everybody else around me is doing good. Their wallets are fat. Their, you know, their bills are paid. They got nicer cars. They go on vacations. Don't look at me like that, like you don't know what I'm talking about. And the psalmist is saying, come on, man, I'm, I'm trying to serve you, God. And it's like everything's coming unravel for me. But the wicked, you know, they're just fat, dumb, and happy. That, that's what that verse means. Verse 17, he says, he comes to this conclusion. I, I, I couldn't deal with it. I almost slipped. But he says, until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I perceived the end of the wicked. There it is right there, saints. Payday comes, but it doesn't always come on Friday, but it comes. Listen to me, our reward is not here in this earth. Our reward is not in our bank account. Our reward is in, not in all the material things we can gather in this lifetime. Come on, I wish there were some Christians here this morning. Our reward is in heaven, and someday we're going to be with the Lord, amen? But people who don't believe in God and serve God and scoff at God and make fun of people who serve God, they're going to meet God someday, and it's going to be a sad day, and it's going to be an eternity of regret. Till I got into the sanctuary of God. Notice where this makes sense in the presence of God. You see, like Kelly was showing this morning, if you walk away from God's presence and the enemy starts whispering to you about the whys and the what ifs, it's going to kind of make sense to you. And he's going to lather you up and you're going to get mad at God and you're not going to want to go back. 
That's why there's so many empty seats here today. Because, you know, there's a lot of people whose hearts were not in it, yet they use COVID as an excuse to excuse themselves from being in the house of God. I'm praying for them every day that God will bring them back. Jesus moves into this situation, and there's a lot of whys and what ifs. And people are questioning the goodness and the fairness and the faithfulness of God. And it's a tough situation for him to walk into. But, you know, Martha expresses herself to him. She, she expresses her emotion. She pretty much says, if you were here, and there's the if, and there's the why, my brother would be alive. But notice, she doesn't stay there. She moved past that. She says, all right, I'm disappointed, Jesus. I wish you were here. I, I'm really upset my brother's dead. But you know what? Even now, look what the verse continues. So even now, I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Church, that is great faith right there. Because you know what? This, this woman, she's got faith. Forget about the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all the smarty pants religious people. This woman's faith is off the charts. This guy's been in the grave for four days, and she's saying, you know what? I believe even now, even though, you know, he stinketh, that you can raise him from the dead because if you ask God, he'll do it. Come on, that's the kind of faith that God wants to stir in up, us on up. Though it's past the point of no return, though I made a million mistakes, though I've played with sin and I've got myself in trouble, though, you know, though I walked away from you and did exactly the opposite of what you, I knew you wanted me to do, it's not too late because of who you are, Jesus. She's emotional. She's upset. Her sister is angry. But yet Martha moves past her emotions and she moves into the realm of faith. Listen, you can have intense emotions. Some people don't think it's spiritual to show emotion. Just be stoic, you know, just, just be spiritual, just say the right Christian words. But yet, we're allowed to have emotions. We're allowed to express them. How many of you having children, you know, would have a child come up to you upset, crying, expressing themselves, and you would say, hey, hey, hey. Don't you express emotions in front of me. That's not allowed. Come on, you wouldn't do that. And God wouldn't do that either. Yet we think somehow we have to come before him with a performance, having all our thoughts together and say the right words, or he'll get offended and then he'll punish us. That's not God. That's not a loving father. You can come into his presence and express anything you're going through, and I encourage you to do that. God's big enough to handle you. Amen? But don't hide from him and don't run from him. Go to him and be real with him. That's what Martha did. She ran to God. She ran to Jesus. She was real with him. She showed her intense emotion, but she allowed her emotion to be swallowed up in great faith. Listen, faith that is not big enough to overcome feelings isn't faith at all. You and I can't walk by our feelings. Well, I felt abandoned. I felt God, you know, dropped the ball on me. I felt like I didn't get what I prayed for. I felt, I felt, I felt. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by our emotions. So she comes with the great faith. Now, Jesus' response to her is pretty tactful in verse 23 and 24. Jesus says to her, now he knows what, what she's asking him, you know, Pretty much, she wants him to raise her brother out of the grave. He's in there four days. 
Jesus' response is this. Your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So Jesus answers her as if he doesn't know what she's asking. Are you picking this up here? You say, well, come on, Jesus. Are you just playing with her? The lady's hurting. Give her, you know, tell her what she wants to know. You getting this? Some of you are looking at me like I'm making it up. He knew what she was asking. Lord, I want you to raise my brother from the dead. I know that you could do it. I know God will listen to you. If you ask, and I know you're late, you're late, Jesus. Did I mention that you were late? Because you're late. But he doesn't answer the question that she's asking. He answers it in a different way. He says, you know, oh, your brother will raise, he, you know, he'll be raised up again. And she, she, you know, why does he do that? You know, is he playing games? No, he's trying to allow her to, to speak words that are going to reveal exactly where her faith is. And he also is revealing himself to us. Here's how. Martha's going to learn that, you know, at her, when, when she needs something from Jesus, she's got to ask plainly and that he can honor her faith. He's going to reveal himself to her that way. But it also reveals to us some good theology here about the resurrection. That you and I, just as Lazarus will be raised, you and I can be raised. That there's hope. So many people walk around and go, I don't know what happens when you die. I don't know if there's life after death. I don't know if there's eternity. Here's good theology out of the mouth of Jesus that there will be a resurrection in the last day. That you and I have a hope, amen. You and I are not just going into the dirt and becoming worm food. There's a part of us that's going to live forever. And that's the good theology that's being revealed here. Yes, our bodies return to dust. What, you know, what's happening to Lazarus' body in that tomb? It's turning back into dust. But there's a part of him that's going to live forever. And I want you to see that today. There's a part of all of us that will live for eternity. You and I are not just bodies. We're three parts. We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. That body's going back to the dust. The older you get, the more excited you get about that. This is going back to dust. All of it. Take it all. It's like trading in an old car. Here, you can have it. Young people are like, no, I'm keeping this. It's good. I've been working on it. Whiten my teeth. I got a tan. I'm good. But there's a part of us that's going to live forever. And that soul and spirit is going to live forever. And 2 Corinthians 5, 6 and 9 says this, Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. But we are of good courage and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be home with the Lord. Therefore, we have also this ambition, whether to home or absent, to be pleasing to him. So it's all about Jesus. If we live, we live to serve Jesus. If we die, we go to be with Jesus. Amen. The longer we walk with him, the more we want to be absent from the body so that we can be present with the Lord. Is anybody picking up what I'm laying down here? Amen. Are you, are you feeling it? The Bible says to live is Christ and to die is gain. As Christians, we shouldn't be afraid of death. I've never been to heaven, but I guarantee there's nobody there saying, I want to go back to earth. I miss Hoboken, New Jersey. I want to go back. So there's this tug in us. We want to be with the Lord. We're in the bodies. There's a part of us that's going to live forever. You know, he says, your brother will be raised in the last day at the resurrection. And Martha says, I know. So she has good theology in her. We're getting good theology from Jesus. His answer to her question is not really the answer to her question, but it's a benefit to us. 
Now, verses 25 through 27, we'll close out this segment that we're doing here, and it's a spiritual gut check for Martha. Jesus is testing her to see, you know, where her faith is at and what she's really asking here. He's about to test her faith, and her response to him is going to provoke him to do a miracle, but at the same time, he drops a theological atom bomb on everyone who hears this. And look what Jesus says. He, you know, she says, I know my brother will be raised in the resurrection on the last day. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Woo! Now, that's powerful there. Let me keep reading. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So, yeah, she gives her little response there about the resurrection, and Jesus is like, I am the resurrection. Now, I want you to see what's happening here. You know, uh, she, she's basically, in so many words, kind of around the bush asking for Jesus to raise her brother up. Uh, but really what Jesus is saying here is like, I know what you're asking me, but before I do that great miracle in response to your great faith, I want to reveal to you, Martha, who I really am. You see, when we come to Jesus with faith and believe, and we come to Jesus, uh, you know, uh, yearning for a, a connection with him, it provokes him to reveal himself to us. See, many people say, well, I, I don't know if there's a God, and I have no relation. Well, have you sought him with your whole heart? Have you approached him with faith? She is approaching with faith. So his response is, before I do what you have the faith to believe I can do, Martha, I want to reveal myself to you in a deeper way. You say, well, how did he do that? Look at his response here. He starts off by saying, I am. Now, I want you to repeat that. That's a very, very powerful statement that Jesus made. I am the resurrection and the life. Where have we heard that phrase, I am, before? Well, let's go back to Exodus 1314, where Moses is about to lead God's people out of Egypt. Moses said to God, behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Verse 14, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, this is what you shall say to the sons of Israel. I am has sent me. Jesus is saying the same exact thing to, the, to the Martha here that God said to Moses when he said, what's your name, God? He said, my name is I am that I am. Tell him the I am sent you. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. What is Jesus doing? He's revealing himself to Martha in a greater way. He's revealing, I'm not just God's little errand boy. I'm not God Jr. I'm not just a good man or a prophet. I am God. Jesus is revealing himself as God. And what a beautiful thing. He said, you had great faith. I want to reveal myself to you. Look at at what's happening here. Even his own disciples weren't sure who he was at moments. Yet this woman with great faith provokes him to open up to her and say, I am. Over and over again in the New Testament, Jesus refers to himself as I am. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection in the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the vine. I am, I am, I am. So powerful this morning. 
You and I need to experience him not just as a, a, a historical figure, or a religious guy, a prophet, a wise teacher. We need to experience him as the I am. He's very plainly showing Martha who he is. I'm Emmanuel, God with us, God incarnate. I am all those things that the prophet said. I am the fulfillment of those things. I am. So, Martha, because I am God and because I am the resurrection in the life, I'm able to do what you're believing me to do. Jesus is the only one who overcame death, hell, and the grave. And he's the prototype of life after death. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, you and I have no hope of, it, of an eternal life. Amen? So... He's showing her something that, you know, we know in a lot of ways, maybe take for granted at this point, but it's an interesting moment where he brings this great revelation to her that he is the I am. Now, verse 26 is ending up here with the point that he makes to her is after he reveals himself, he says something very interesting at the end of verse 26. He says, do you believe this? This is so important here. This is where we can know about Jesus. We can know about the Bible. We can know about theology. But until we know Jesus as the I am, we're still lost in our sins. And so her response is, yes, Lord, I believed. Some version says, I have believed. It shows past tense that she's not just believing this now she's believed it for a long time yes lord i have believed that you are the christ the son of god who came into the world i have believed so her her affirmation is that you know what i believe what you're saying to me i believe what you're revealing to me and i have believed it for a long time this is important for us why because some of us have believed for a long time some of us have had a relationship with God for a long time. But there's moments where our faith and our affirmation of who he is needs to be refreshed. Oh, I believe that already, Pastor. But your life is not proving that you believe it. And once again, you need to have an encounter with Jesus and say, I believe who you are. I believe you do miracles. I believe you hear my prayers. I believe you can save my marriage. I believe you can heal my family. I believe. Her answer is, I believe, I have believed, and it is the right answer. Notice she doesn't say, yeah, I believe you can bring my brother back to life. No, she, she lets her request go to the side, and she responds to what Jesus is digging for. He wants, you know, her great faith to be backed up with solid theology and the right belief. Believe in who he is. Believe in what he can do for you. Believe in him on a personal level. What do you believe Jesus can do for you today? Amen. All things. That's good. Those are good answers. Whatever you're going through, the I am can do it for you if you believe. Are you willing to put your faith to the test? I close with this. C.S. Lewis said this about belief. He said, you'll never know how much you really believe in something until the truth or falsehood of it becomes a matter of life or death. It's easy to say you believe that a rope is strong as long as you're just tying up a box or a package with it. But suppose you had to trust that same rope to hold you as you dangled over a cliff. Would you still believe it was strong or would you want to first test it before you trusted your life to it? 
I believe this about God, and I believe this about the Bible, and I believe this. And we could say all these things and make a mental ascent. But until we put ourselves squarely in the arms of Jesus and trust him with everything, we have not put him to the test to the point where we know that we know that we know that we can trust him. The I am wants us to believe today. He wants us to push past our pain and the whys and the what ifs. He wants us to come to him in our crises and believe who he said he is because he's a miracle working God. And nothing you're facing today is too big for him. It's no sweat for him. He can do it. He can bring back to life all the things that you think you have destroyed and ruined and missed. Listen, he can breathe life into those dreams that you have let go of at this point. Man, I wish somebody would get this this morning. You can stay stuck if you want, but if you have faith and believe, you can move forward into the destiny of God. The I am wants us to believe. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just pray today, Lord God, that we would grasp the breadth and the depth of Martha's great faith here. And that we would approach you believing who you are. It does very little good for us to believe that you exist or that, you know, you were a wise teacher. It does everything for us to believe who you said you are. You are the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life. You are fully God, the Savior of the world, our hope, our promise, and our miracle worker. Help us to come to you and treat you according to the word that our lives would be blessed and full of miracles. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Give him a hand clap of praise this morning.